You are listening to the Balmetto State Podcast, where we have conversations about all things basketball with a South Carolina flavor. Let's get started and tip off this episode with your host, the head basketball coach at Westwood High School, John Combs. Off to the podcast today. Jamie Shaw is with the uh, Phenom Hoop Report, and uh, he's been with the Phenom Hoop Report since 2013. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate you having me on. Now, you've been with the uh, Phenom Hoop Report since 2013, correct? Correct. Tell me a little bit about your career path with them. How, how did you get started into uh, uh, basketball recruiting, evaluating? How, how, how did that all start? Well, it was kind of, uh, I guess, getting into the recruiting side of things was kind of dumb luck to begin with. I, uh, I made my career uh, out of college uh, after graduation at 21 from USC going to uh, in sales, so low-voltage type sales, you know, fiber cables, uh, selling security systems and audiovisual type stuff and all that. And then, uh, finally one day I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I'd have more fun basketball. I was going to I was going to games anyway. Um, really caught up on the recruiting side of basketball and keeping up with classes and rankings and stuff. Um, in all honesty, I was uh, with my brother at the North Carolina State Championship game and saw Dave Pellet down there on uh, on Media Row. And he was uh, you know everybody knew who he was. Everybody you know stood up and talked to him and he knew everybody. And I was like that's that's like super cool. I want to try to do that. Um, so not having any experience in the in the in, the, in it, I just uh, went in the next week and told them uh, put in my two weeks notice and uh, gave myself a, a year to see how things would get started. Um, so I, I just went out there and, and, and aggressively asked questions and uh, went to events and uh, I was fortunate enough to have enough money saved up for my previous the success of my previous job to, to, to afford myself a year to live without making any money. And, um, I, I bet on myself, and uh, that was in February, I guess, March time frame. Um, and then uh, just started doing it, doing it, doing it. Went through April, went to all the AAU events and stuff. And, uh, reached out to college coaches and, and asked questions and asked questions and got on the phone and kept going and kept showing to, to do it. And, you know, come, come June, I uh, kept, uh, kept going to events. I kept putting out on social media. I kept sending out reports and stuff, talking to college coaches, um, just kind of aggressively pursuing. Uh, I didn't even know what it was I was pursuing. I didn't even know what the job entails, but just going after it. Uh, taking direction and asking and learning. Um, come June, I met uh, Rick Lewis uh, and uh, started the Phenom Hoop Report. He started doing camps uh, back in 2003, 16th year of the Phenom 150 camps. Um, met, met, met with him and we really hit it off. Um, he, he came to me and we started talking and ended up being that we formed a, a, a partnership to, to start. Uh, Moving forward up to that point, being on moving forward, which is doing the being on 150 camps. I had about four camps per year. Um, and, and, you know, again, what happened? Uh, Dave Tellup had just taken, uh, San Antonio Spurs job, so I left kind of a void in the state of North Carolina, uh, where he left, uh, and, and, and Rick come in and, um, we started branching out to do 
more than just camps. Started doing uh, travel ball tournaments and started doing high school events and stuff. Started slowly, uh, of course, but uh, you know it kind of it kind of took off from there. Well, you've certainly grown a lot over the time uh, that I've known you over the years, and you, you know you all have done a phenomenal job with growing the events and promoting basketball in, all over the country and specifically in the southeast. Who would you say some of your most influential people you have in your professional career? Who, who are some of those people? Well, uh, going back to it, it would, it would have to be Rick Lewis. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the first one to believe in me uh, in, this, uh, in this venture. Um, you know, coming in and not really knowing I knew basketball. I played basketball my whole life, you know, and, and been around basketball, all that stuff, but I didn't know the scouting side of things. Um, he's the first one who kind of saw it in me and believed in me and, and, and enough to, to form a partnership and, and trust board um, as business partners within the Phenom Group Report, uh, you know, to, uh, to go out. So his, uh, his whole belief in me has been unbelievable, but, uh, Rick has been, you know, the, the single most influential person within this uh, within this trek made uh, basketball thing. Okay. What does a, a typical day and week look like for you, or is there such thing as a typical day or week for you? Yeah, uh, you know, there, there's not really a, a typical day or week. Uh, you know, a lot of it depends on the seasons. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of it depends on the different hats that we wear. You know, within Phenom Hoop Report, we're a bit organized. So we have um, camps, we have travel ball tournaments, we have uh, high school events. But we also are an NCAA compliant recruiting service, which means that we send out reports of all, the, all of our events and all the events and stuff that we go to, you know, to the, to the college coaches who subscribe across the country to our service. I think we have about 175 or so right now that subscribe to those out across the country. We also are a media team, so we're out uh, videotaping uh, either college stuff or high school stuff, uh, having having the media side of things go out as well. So um, it depends on the season um, as to where it is, if it's AAU season or if it's high school season or camp season. Um, but, yeah, no, no two days are alike. Um, a lot of it starts out. Uh, I try to take my daughter to school every day, um, you know, because uh, – once the season gets started, I'm sure, John, as you know as well, the, the face time with the family dwindled down a little bit. So um, in a growing child, it's good to have a consistency somewhere. Um, so I try to take her to school every single day. Also, my wife loves that. She gets an extra 20 minutes of uh, you know, sleep or whatever it is. Um, and then after that, it, it just jump right in, whether it be meetings uh, with, uh, with people or going to college practices, as, as I'm doing right now, or... Uh, going to a high school practice or a high school game or uh, going to try to put a schedule together or writing a college report or, you know, doing an interview with a, with a you know, top 100 prospect or a college coach or, um, you know, formulating a podcast or whatever the case may be. It's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on throughout the day, and every day is uh, busy from sun up to sundown. So. Well, what do you think are some of the misconceptions people, coaches, maybe players ha have about your profession and, and what you do? Um, that, uh, the, the first thing that whenever, um, I tell somebody, you know, you go to a social gathering or whatever, and, uh, the conversation always comes up on what you do or whatnot. And I, I explain to them kind of what Phenom Hoops is and 
what we are. And now I say, oh, well, that must be a blast. And, and it is. It's very rewarding, very gratifying to be, you know, on the ground up with the kids' recruitment, seeing them, you know, being involved and, and kids realizing their dreams, um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the amount of time and the amount of work that goes into it, it's not just showing up to a basketball game and sitting down and watching the game. Um, you know, the preparation after the fact, the driving to it, the, the, you know, as we said, starting at sun up, going all the way, all the way through the day, all the way up to the basketball game, it starts typically about seven o'clock at night. Um, you know, and then not getting home until about midnight, uh, one o'clock. Um, it's just, it's just the amount of time every single day, uh, it's a seven day a week job, um, that, that goes into, uh, doing it. And, you know, again, um, Rick Lewis is known for his the camps, the organization of professionalism of the camps. Um, it runs smoothly, but you know, as you all know too, John, putting on the SCBA elite camp and everything, that uh, all the preparation for the camp is done well ahead of time, and a lot goes into that to ensure that the camp goes smoothly um, and everything. So I, I think the prep time, the amount of time that goes into it, um, the hours. Uh, per day uh, is, a, is a common misconception. Yeah, there's no question. It's not just simply sending out registration forms and collecting data to organize a camp. <laughs> it's a, a little no bit question. more difficult than that. You know, one of the things, Jamie, I think you stand out among a, a lot of your peers and what you do is how active you are on social media. So let's take a little time and talk about social media a little bit with basketball and recruiting and different things. What advice would you give to high school players about social media and how to handle it? Um, well, uh, social media can be uh, your biggest, uh, your, your greatest tool of, uh, of exposure and promotion, but it can also be your, your biggest enemy um, as well. Um, I, I, think, I think social media is an unbelievable thing. Uh, you, know, you have it right at your fingertips, whether it be Instagram or Twitter or, or you know, YouTube or whatever it is. You have it at your right fingertips to be able to put out put down your thoughts or put down a video or put down uh, you know something along those lines and immediately it goes out to the world. Everybody in the world has the opportunity to possibly see it. Um, you know so so within that comes a lot of responsibility but it also comes you know great you know it's it's just a very powerful tool that can really, really, really enhance a profile uh, if used correctly. Yeah, it, what advice would you give the coaches and what the, how they should, uh, high school coaches, how should they handle social media, not only maybe for their own team accounts or for guiding players? What would you suggest? Well, again, I mean, it's something too. I mean, uh, John, I know you've seen it too, watching the college coaches and stuff on the sidelines and everything. Well, even while they're at games, they're scrolling through their, their phones looking at either emails or, or tweets or um, all that kind of stuff. And again, you know, every college coach – probably 99% of them are on social media. It's immediate ability to reach out to somebody and, and have an instant connection with them. Um, so for high school coaches, I think it's an incredible tool, again, uh, you know, to let media see how well that you're doing, uh, to let college coaches see the, your individual kids, um, to let the community know of things that are going on within it, uh, within your program. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're able to take snapshots of what you have going on and put it out there for the world um, to see. So it, it, it's an incredible tool um, to help promote your program. I know fundraising for high school coaches is a huge thing. It helps promote your program both within the community, but also helps promote your kids um, to 
college coaches, um, you know, throughout the entire process. And you can also, you know, through, uh, I guess, DMs and instant messages and all that kind of stuff, able to uh, communicate with these college coaches to say, hey, coach, I have text here. Or, hey, coach, I, here's some game film for my last game. Or, hey, coach, here's, uh, you know, do you mind stopping by? I got a couple kids. Or, or can we come through on a visit? Or whatever the case, it, it just enhances your um, your, your profile toward all the positive things um, out there. Do you have any um, not so obvious mistakes you see that high school players or coaches make when they're doing it? And tell them that they just they got to stop doing it. Maybe it's a well-intentioned thing, but for you know they they should they just really need to stop. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go on there. Um, you know, a lot of kids, I guess, and even maybe high school coaches and whatnot, don't understand that everybody is, has the ability to see what you're doing. Uh, a lot of people you know, tweet or, or send a picture up on Instagram or a story thinking that only one or two people within their core group can see it and, you know, get, get a little inside joke laugh or whatnot with, about it. But then other people are able to see it. Maybe they're not in on the joke or maybe it's just a grotesque uh, type, of, type of post that, um, you know, turns some people off. I mean, it, it could be it could be anything, you know, you typically want to stay away from... Uh, you know, political type things you really want to stay away from language or, um, you know, just anything that could be, you know, offensive or whatnot. Because, you know, like I said, especially if you're a prospect, a known prospect or whatnot, college coaches absolutely control social media. College coaches even, college programs even have designated people who control social media because they're recruiting. Um, you know, and, and the cliche goes, they're investing you know, what is a $400,000 scholarship in you, room and board and all that kind of stuff for you, you know, they need to know that they're getting somebody who's going to come into their locker room, come into their culture and, and thrive and not be a, not be a cancer, not be anything like that within the program. Um, you know, so in any type of, any type of consequential type thing, just, just realize that everything you put out, as a possibility to be seen by everybody. And also with the same thing, you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's looking. Um, you know, with that, there, there could be a college coach who heard about you, who just found you on social media, who has not contacted you yet, but is still following you. And, you know, then all of a sudden they're going to stop if they see you say some things that might be uh, not line up to their moral code. How often do you hear that from college coaches, that they stop recruiting players because of what they post on social media? All, all the time. All the time. I mean, that's that's usually one of the first five questions that they ask is, uh, "How is this kid? How is how, how is the kid? Is he a good kid? Um, you know, that is this or this or this, and all that kind of stuff can be monitored via social media as well." That's one thing I try to tell a lot of players when the, you're being recruited or coaches look at you, even before they even check you out academically, they're going to access and take a look at your social media and see if you even pass that test, and then they're going to go check you yeah, out definitely. academically. So, Without question. And, and that's all social media, too. They're going to look uh, they're gonna go across all social media outlets that you have and see what's what. What would you say some of your coolest or favorite moments you've had in your profession have been? Something maybe a little bit different, a person you had to have a com- you had the opportunity to have a conversation with or, or something just neat that was a lot of fun? Um, well, well this, uh, I guess this, this profession brings you across many, many cool things, having you know, the likes of uh, 
Dennis Smith, Zion Williamson, uh, you know, John Morant, um, uh, all these people, PJ Dozer, all these people started coming to our camps in the middle school and then seeing them progress forward and watching them, you know, ultimate goal being drafted. All this kind of stuff is, is really neat. But I guess the very first kind of wild moments that I had personally uh, was uh, the first phone call I got from BJ Mack. Uh, this was this was very early in my in my infancy. As I said, I was you know really aggressive on like social media and contact posts and all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of out of the blue, he had gotten my number from from somewhere and, and gave me a call. I think this was in 2013, and, and uh, he came on the phone. Uh, you know, in his smooth kind of BJ Mackey way, it's like, oh, what's up, man? This is, uh, this is BJ Mackey. And I'm sitting on the other end, like, this is who? <laughs> you know, growing up, I went to South Carolina, I'm from South Carolina, all that kind of stuff. So he's, uh, you know, whereas his name might not resonate in, you know, Idaho like it does in South Carolina, BJ Mackey's a big deal in South Carolina. Um, you know, so kind of the first time that he called, and I kind of had a little starstruck moment, uh, you know, with that. But, uh, you know, as, as we've gone through this and everything, it's, uh, you know, kind of become more commonplace having Alan Iverson come to some of our events or, um, you know, Mike Zibby and, you know, all these old players and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. There's a lot of people, uh, you get to come across. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, BJ was, uh, of course, my former roommate at Carolina for a couple of years. So, uh, Hopefully that won't give him too big of a big head from hearing all that. <laughs> oh, and, and he, he's been uh, he's been unbelievable since finding great success over Tennessee now. So. Well, I'm I'm really excited for him and what the future's got for him. Uh, where do you stand on a high school having a shot clock? Are you in favor for it? Not a big deal. What do you think? Uh, well, in our events that we're able to, we have shot clocks in them. Um, obviously, we have to, um, at, you know, being on hoops, we have to go through and get approval of the teams to go through to get it sanctioned and all that kind of stuff. And certain teams can't play in certain events and have shot clocks and whatnot. But our, our very first two events of the year, our tip uh, Classic is on uh, November the 9th, 8th and 9th. It will be at Carmel Christian. And then the second event, we have the National High School Showcase on the 14th and 15th. It's going to be in Raleigh, Ravenscroft. We have shot clocks uh, in those two events. Um, they, uh, you know, the games run smooth. Uh, it allows, I guess, the defense to kind of, you know, dictate a little bit more of the game. Um, you know, in, in the games that we had, it was the very first event in North Carolina to have a shot clock last year. Uh, no, there were no complaints about it, and everybody kind of loved it. You know, if you ask me personally, I didn't really see much of a difference from game to game. Um, I don't think in, in either of the two events we had seen probably six, twelve, sixteen, we'll say twenty games. I don't think there's a single shot clock violation, possibly one shot clock violation that we've had. Um, but the games are smooth and it, it, it you know enhanced the possession that allows be crisper uh, on the play calling and you know um, all that kind of stuff. So um, where do I stand on it? I, I mean I don't I don't lean one way or the other extremely hard. Um, but it is something that we utilize when we can in our events. Okay. Now, I know we could do a whole podcast on this next topic, but uh, give us your short feelings on the, the changes the NCAA has made to the basketball, the, the June and July periods. What, what are your thoughts? 
Um, in my opinion, I, I love the fact that they're bringing some classic stuff. Um, they're opening up the classic stuff, and, and, and talking with college coaches, um, they seem to really like the classic events as well. Uh, the Juneteenth camps and all that kind of stuff. Um, seeing um, players in multiple settings, which is big for them, uh, which is big for anybody who's recruiting and scouting and stuff. To, to see them with an AAU team, to see them with a high school team, to see them with a camp, you get to glean different aspects of each player's game or each setting that they're in. Um, I think I think having this class of team camps is a, is a great idea. Um, I, you know. And it's going to be a work in progress. Um, I, I'm glad to hear that they put the, a second live event back in April for AAU. Um, I, I think that possibly moving the July camp back to June and then having a second July live period, um, I, I think would possibly make more sense within the calendar. Um, but it, I think it steps in the right direction. I think it's, I think it's good things um, only that are happening. And I think it's going to take time. It's going to take a, a process of... of, of trial and error to continue to get it. But any time that you're able to put college coaches in front of um, players in, in, in different types of settings uh, is a good thing. Um, and I heard very positive things, John, speaking about that, about the South Carolina team camp. How did that go? Well, I thought it went uh, you know, very well for the first year. I mean, we had a number of um, high major college coaches come into our, our gyms over the uh, few days that we did it. Um, you know, there's some. There was certainly a learning curve for, that we want to try to learn and make things better, uh, not only for our teams but for the college coaches as well. But you know, the players seem to really like it. The high school coaches seem to really like it. It, it added an extra element to uh, your, your June events that we have. Yeah, and I think I think y'all are incredibly smart for actually having the event. Obviously, I know that y'all are high school coaches first, and not necessarily event coordinators and all that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of a a thing there, but the fact that y'all actually had one, I think, what, only 11 or so states actually had a, a team camp here in that period, so that means that y'all got to have, you know, there's, what, 370 Division One schools, 330 Division One schools, or so 27, I think 327, Division One schools out there and across the country, and they got to go somewhere during those weeks, so, you know, it was good. I know I got a ton of calls from college coaches and stuff, and I know there are a ton of kids that actually had their recruitment started from their performances at those camps so you know kudos to you guys well well thank you jb we do we have a lot of good coaches here in, in south carolina that work really hard and, and they made an investment to spend their time to bring their team from all over the, the state of south carolina for a couple of days here in columbia and, and the, we thought the competition was really good like i said i mean you saw even uh, coaches like buzz williams michael white you know coach frank martin brad brownell oh grant everybody from all over South Carolina and the Southeast and even some further out places than that uh, cho chose to invest some time. So from that regards, that was a, a, a positive as well. And then, of course, some of our kids got some NCAA message talk um, at different points. So, you know, we're excited to see what is going to happen coming up in, in June, this go round, see how things will go, and hopefully we'll have a chance to, uh, to make it better. I'll, I'll be interested to see if the NCAA makes any tweaks to their rules and regulations that they give. So that... Hopefully that is something that should probably come up uh, pretty soon. Um, who, who would you say right now, who are some of the – when you think of South Carolina basketball and high school basketball, what do you think of as a whole? What do you think about it? Um, I think I think of uh, – is anybody able to slow down Dorman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's the first thing that pops in my head. Uh, but outside of that, I feel like basketball – has become 
so much more of a focal point within the state. Um, you know, when I grew up uh, in, in Myrtle Beach um, in the late 90s, you know, everybody played every sport. So, you know, you, had, you played football, you played baseball, you played basketball, you played soccer. And it wasn't specialized uh, for anybody. Now, you know, basketball is becoming a year-round thing. You have uh, AAU teams popping up all over the place. You have trainers, you have training, you have, uh, you know, people that are hiring basketball coaches as opposed to, you know, a, a male psychology teacher who, you know, just has some extra time, uh, which has been done in the past. So um, the more of a focus on, from the administration has been coming uh, onto basketball. And then there's, there's been more people um, coming around, I think, um, to create some real basketball talent um, coming out of South Carolina. You know, I mean, the state of South Carolina produced number one and two picks in this year's draft with uh, Zion and Da. Um, and I think the 2021 class in South Carolina is going to be as deep and talented as, as any class that that's on a scene in the last 20 or so years. So um, it's just an ongoing process of, uh, of continuing um, to have the year-round respect, to have the resources, uh, you know, put into it from the state um, behind basketball. But I, th- I think basketball in the state of South Carolina, they've always had the athletes, uh, you know, uh, they've always had the, the talent level. Now that talent level is being nurtured. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's showing the process, the progress once these kids get to high school on the college and even in the pros now um, uh, of those labors. Well, yeah, I, th- I think one of the things you see over the past not that long ago is all these the, the building of these great basketball facilities like the Upward Star Center, the Myrtle Beach Complex, now the, the new one that's going up in Rock Hill. I mean, those weren't there all that long ago, and now they're being built. and. Yep. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's uh, help. Stuff like that is helping grow basketball in South Carolina, and, and I think the the well, people. And you have guys, you know, such, such as yourself. You have Thomas Ryan at Dorman, Josh Staley at AC Floor, and you got Tom Pearson down at, you know, uh, Porter Gowd and Bailey Harris, who just retired over at Lexington, but you know, done a great job. And, and the list goes on and on and on of the of these coaches who invest so much of their time, uh, so much of their time, and so much of their being into these kids. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, and then you know you have great programs such as you know what major was going with Carolina Wolves, and you know then you got the Upper Stars program, and you know got the Upstate TV and Columbia uh, programs, and uh, TMP and uh, Carolina Pressure now, and, and all these all these adults who are, who are buying into the kids and buying into the process of development. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very uh, you know it, 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 it's a it's a move toward success when you're able to invest in your kids and uh you know there's a lot of adults that are that are really buying into the kids at this point in South Carolina well I completely agree with you on that so I gotta ask you a couple last questions first one is who, who are some of the South Carolina players that you know people need to start taking notice of high school that may may not be household names right now but who who are the guys that who's the next generation of basketball players well um you know I'll go down class by class with a couple of names obviously 2020, everybody knows uh, Patrick Iowa going to South Carolina and P.J. Hall going to dot, 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 we'll see. <laughs> uh, Miles Tate up to Butler. Everybody knows those people. Uh, a name to watch out for is Nick Pringle out of Well Branch. Uh, he's a six foot eight forward. He was six two a year ago, a year and a half ago. Now he's just started up six eight with a seven one wingspan. He's got a 39 inch vertical measured leap. Uh, at our top end, he can shoot the ball. He's still got the guard skills and stuff, and he still might be growing. So um, he's somebody who can take a, a real big jump moving forward. Also, Justin Amati over at Norman. 
um, just transferred over there from Hillcrest High School, um, is somebody who kind of ha- is, is built in the Jarrell Brantley mold, who's just um, is with the Utah Jazz now. Well, that's college of Charleston. He's a former Ridge Beach kid. Um, moving down to the 21 class, that 21 class is incredibly deep. Um, you know, you have the guys at the top, guys like John Butler and Bryce McGowan and Corey Richardson, uh, Chase, uh, and Duffy, who are all ranked and everything, but uh, a couple guys to look at are Cesar Edwards, six foot ten kid out of uh, Hartsville High School, um, long athlete who's got perimeter skills and puts his head at the rim. Um, Robert McCray, uh, over AC Floors, an interesting one to watch. He's always got tools, but now it's kind of the lights come on, it's coming together. Um, and then down at North Augusta, Colin Rodriguez. Um, there's somebody who could take a huge step forward. Um, his game's kind of similar to like a Hassani Gravit type of guy, like a six foot two bucket getter, um, who's supremely athletic and shoots the ball and also sees the floor incredibly well. Um, Julian Phillips is kind of the cream of the crop in the 2022 class at Blythewood. Uh, you got Greg Jackson, 2023 at Ridgeview. Phillips is about six seven. Jackson is about six eight. The 2023 class at Ridgeview. And then looking at, uh, Lexington High School and Cam Scott, um, you know, he's, he's an eighth grade. He's probably going to start on varsity this year, or at least play heavy minutes on varsity this year at Lexington High School. Um, that's middle schooler, but he's, uh, uh, he's supremely talented and one to, uh, one to watch closely for, especially in the national level. I think all three of those 22, uh, Julian, Greg, and Cam, you know, have a chance to be top 100 type teams in the country. Well, I know Coach Bailey Harris has, has spoken very highly of the eighth grader. Uh, he says that he's going to be really good, and I know the Jackson kid uh, over at Ridgeview is really talented. Yeah, the KM 6'4", 6'5", he can shoot it. He had like an 82-inch wingspan uh, measured at camp, and, and he's just got the, the full package. Well, what's the next big event that, you, that y'all are pulling off? What, what, what's the next thing for, for y'all? Well, Sunday uh, we will have um, our final team 150 camp of the year. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Rick Lewis started these camps 16 years ago, and, um, you know, just one single camp, and Huntersville, uh, North Carolina, the reason he started was because of the lack of exposure uh, that he saw within the community, within the kids from North Carolina. And the Carolinas, um, you know, he built it, doing it the right way, uh, built the foundation of, uh, of keeping the kids first and giving them a, a, a platform. So now, uh, just this season, uh, just since August, we've had camps in South Carolina, uh, Eastern North Carolina, West North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and now we've had the last three weeks have had one in North Carolina, uh, in Greensboro. Um, so this is our final camp of the season right now. Uh, it's looking to sell out. Uh, I think we only have a couple spots left before it sells out the Sunday. Then we'll have a week off and then we'll go straight into the high school season. We'll have our, uh, preseason jamboree on November 2nd, which typically has about 60 or so teams that come to it. Had about 75 college coaches in it last year. Uh, to come watch because, uh, you know, do you want to be able to build a road at that time? Um, so, uh, and then November 9th, uh, we get into the high school season, our very first event, uh, Carmel Christian Tip-Off Classic. Uh, it's 8th and 9th, and then we'll go to the National High School Showcase, which will have, uh, you know, Oak Hill and uh, ISA Academy and Meridian Prep and all that stuff playing in it uh, in Raleigh. And then every week after that, you know, the following week we'll have the Gate City Classic in Greensboro. The following week after that we'll have the Hoops and Dreams Classic in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, we'll be off that next week, and the following week will be uh, in December. We'll have the Battle of the Rock and the uh, Good Guys versus Cancer. We'll have two events that week. 
Metal Rock in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, and then the Good Guys vs. Cancer in the Outer Banks, uh, North Carolina, giving proceeds to back to cancer research. Wow, you've certainly got a full schedule ahead of you. Where, where can people find you? How should people connect with you and find out more information about all these events that you're having? Well, the website's phenomhoopbook.com. Uh, you'll have the scroll bar at the top. It'll have events. It'll have a, a different menu of events, you know, whatever you're looking for there. Um, the web, the, uh, on Twitter, we're phenom underscore hoops. And on Instagram, we're also phenom underscore hoops. Jamie, thank you so much for your time today and, and having a conversation with us. I thought it was, I really enjoyed what you had to say, and it was good to learn more about you and, and your career and what you've done. And you know, I appreciate what you've done for the game of basketball here in the state of South Carolina and helping promote our players th that we've got here. So thank you very much again for what you do for South Carolina and for your time today. Well, John, I also want to thank you for what you do for them too as well. You know, when we talked earlier about it, uh, you are very much a central figure of one of these uh, adults that are really buying into the kids and buying into the futures and, and doing things the right way. So it's, you know, very good to see, you know, I have a, a, a special place in my heart, you know, no matter, you know, going all over the country and players and stuff, I have a special place in my heart for South Carolina and seeing South Carolina kids and, and succeed and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, what you're doing for them, what you're doing for the basketball community around there and everything. And, and everything's been awesome to watch. So, you know, thank you for that. Well, Jamie, thank you very much. Once again, we had Jamie from the Phenom Hoop Report. Jamie, thank you, sir. Thank you, John. You've been listening to the Balmetto State Podcast. For our show notes and other valuable information, please visit our website at balmettostate.com. We would love to connect with you on social media and hear what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by going to at Balmetto State. Thank you for investing your time with us.